What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the GM Baseball Show. My name is Micaiah. I'm sitting here with a couple of my buds. Uh, we're about to get into some baseball talk for you, so here we go. First of all, let's introduce some guys. Alan, uh, what's going on, man? What's up, fellas? My name's Alan Carter. Uh, went to Lee University along with all of these fellas. Um, excited to get this podcast going. We got a lot of good stuff to get into. Yeah, absolutely. All right, and then next we got Tyler. Tyler, how are we doing today, my man? Fantastic. Happy to be here. <laughs> Let's go. And then, of course, we got Grayson, who was with us last episode in the first episode that we had here. How are we doing yes, today, sir. Grayson? Doing fantastic. Game three. Game three. We're actually rolling already. It's bottom of the second, uh, still 0-0, but um, we'll kind of get into the game a little bit later. Um, we got a little bit of stuff to kind of talk about here. We were looking at some starters, and Alan, I wanted to go ahead and talk to you first. Um, we got Scherzer versus Fott, right? Um, Scherzer, the multiple-time Cy Young winner versus Fott, the guy who's thrown for a little over or a little under a year. Um, how are we feeling about this pitching matchup, and what what's your thoughts on it? So, honestly, as of right now, I'm definitely – leaning toward Fott in terms of who's going to have a better outing. I just feel like he's been rolling. He figured something out the past, like, month. Uh, during the regular season, they actually sent him down to AAA, like, three times, I believe. Um, and he made a couple of adjustments, like, with his mechanics. He, like, raised his glove a little bit higher to, like, his chest, and then he goes over the top. And he, I think he moved to the other side of the rubber, too. So that just helped, like, his whole arsenal, which is, like, his sinkers away and then, like, sinkers in and then sweepers away. Um, but he's just been pitching better, honestly. And Scherzer's just been getting clapped, honestly. So, <laughs> like, the last two or three weeks, Scherzer's been going the other way and Fott's been going up. So, uh, and so far, that's kind of how it's going right now. Christian Walker just hit a – double off the wall, like 150 miles an hour off the bat just now. And Fott's shoving again, even though it's still early. But I'm taking I'm taking Fott right now. I mean, you know, we all respect Scherzer, but I'm taking Fott right now. Yeah. Yeah, and the the one thing that I saw um, and the reason why I kind of lean Fott in this game over Scherzer, I, I would probably take Scherzer if they were in Texas. Um, but in Fott's two postseason appearances at – in Arizona, he's thrown 10 innings, given up four hits, no runs, no walks, and struck out 11. Um, he is dogging it in Arizona. So um, I'd probably sit there right with you and leaning towards spot in this game. Um, I think that Scherzer, if they were in Texas, I'd probably take him to have the better start just because of the fact that, I mean, he's been there, done that. He's won a World Series, you know, all that all that jazz. But Hall of Famer. Um, Hall of Famer, man. Future oh, Hall of yeah. Famer for sure. Um, Grayson, what do you got in this one? What do you, what are you thinking about this matchup? Um, I would probably lean Fott too. Just as much as I would like to see Retro Scherzer come out and see Nationals or Tigers Scherzer that you know was one of my favorite players for a little bit. He's he's just old man, and he's been through injuries. He's getting there. He's getting there. He's old. <laughs> Alan, how far back – like, what at bat are you on? Who's hitting for you right now? Alec Thomas just uh, hit Max Scherzer square in the back. And okay, then so you're the ahead ball. 
Yeah, you're ahead of me and Grayson. Um, so you saw Christian Walker get hosed while you were talking on about the piss missile, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was yeah. I was waiting Boom. to give I was waiting to bring up Garcia's throw. Yeah, that was, that was an absolute hose. cannon. Yeah, I don't know what Christian was doing. Yeah, I don't, with no outs. Well, he was getting yeah, waves. Thinking? That's that's, that's not necessarily on Christian. Yeah, but runner, you guys are. They're touching Max off. though. They're touching they Max are. though. Like he's not getting whiffs. No. no, and that's so that actually brings up another point that I wanted to kind of bring up. Um, they struck out twice in game two. The Diamondbacks, Jordan, yeah, the Diamondbacks struck out twice <laughs> in game two, um, which is crazy. You know, now I think Max Scherzer has a little bit more strikeout stuff than Jordan Montgomery does. Um, but the fact that they only struck out twice in game two kind of tells me that they're, I don't want to say that they're the better team, but I feel like they've been the better team in game one and game two, and then kind of got unlucky in game one. Um, I think they struck out like 14 times in game one. So I'm not saying that they just don't strike out, but Arizona knows how to get the base hits against the pitchers, even if they're good, you know, the Rangers are so lucky. They didn't go to Arizona down too well. Oh, so, yeah. so lucky, bro. Like, they got to be counting their fuck, their freaking. Uh, <laughs> they got to be counting their lucky stars, bro, because they could easily, three outs away from being down too well. Like, they have just gotten yeah. flat out outplayed in basically every facet of the game, honestly. Like, D-backs have just played better baseball, period. Yeah. What do you think about him? Uh, it was Seawald, wasn't it? They gave up the bomb to Seager? Yeah, it was, yeah. With the high heater with 93 to Seager? I, I feel look, like you let anybody else beat you. Look, Seawald got the, the old invisible. He's got the old super low release height, which makes him that yeah. effective. Like, there's a reason why – Going into that outing, he had nine innings in the postseason and zero earned, and he was six for six in saves. There's a reason for that. You know what I mean? Because, like, everyone's thinking the same thing. This man's coming out looking like he's 38 years old, pumping 92, by Trey Turner, by Adolis Garcia, and you're like, what is going on? Like, how is that even possible? But he's just one of those guys. He's got those metrics behind him, and he knows how to pitch too. But I will say – as soon as he walked that leadoff guy in the ninth, I was like, oh, here we go. Like, stomping. you're screwed. I just you're like, screwed. Dude, just as a pitcher, like, even as a baseball player, like, even if you're in the field, if your closer comes in and walks the leadoff guy, it's like, oh, okay, here we go. Here we All go. Right. Here we go. Like, you got to get that first guy, you know, at least, or at least have him get a hit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but if you just walk him and then you give a cookie to the cookie monster. Corey Seager, like, <laughs> like you're just shout out begging. Poppy. I know, I know. I love that little bit that he had. <laughs> was that amazing. was so funny. That was so funny. That whole crew, A Rod, Big Poppy, and Jeter. I love it. I'm so glad they're they're doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was I was kind of gonna bring up the Phillies too because it was it was sucky to see. But whenever Seawald was thrown against them, they couldn't hit anything. Like. The, the team that had been sitting on 
pitches and hitting them out for the entire postseason, came and saw Seawald, and they looked like bums against him. And I hate to say it like that, but they, like they couldn't hit it for some reason. The and team the fact that, that Corey Seager got to that ball, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. The team that tees off of Spencer Strider can't touch Paul Seawald. I mean, that is just like baseball for you. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's just like it's just one of those things where like Nick Castellanos, I think, is the perfect example of he is the best hitter, hottest hitter on the planet during that series against the Braves. And then he said in an interview that I think when he went, when the Phillies went to Arizona to play on the road, he just said he felt different. He felt off. And after that, you saw what happened. That man went over, I think, 21. One for 21. I believe it was one for 21. We couldn't get him out of that's what I'm saying. Out. Like, that's just one of those things. You got to pick and choose your battles when it comes yep. to these playoff games because it's like you guys got to see who's hot in the moment yeah. and who's cold in the moment and then pick and choose who you're going to attack. And Seawald, I guess, wanted to go after the Cookie Monster again and it bit him. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It just reminded me. Do you remember that conversation we had last week about OPS versus batting average and – you remember Which that matters more? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, you think that, like, I don't know. I just kind of wanted to get everyone's input on, like, what my opinion was of, like, the OPS matters more in the regular season, but maybe it's not as important as teams want it to be in the postseason. And all the players have been talking about how different the game is in the postseason versus the regular season. And maybe teams need to – alter their strategy if they want to do better in the postseason, like the Rays, who do great in the regular season every season. And then they can't finish in the postseason, you know what I mean? But I just wanted to get your thoughts, Alan's thoughts. Haven't heard from Tyler yet either. I'd love to get his thoughts. Well, the game's a game. I don't know. In the in the, in the, in the end, you've got to pitch a ball and hit a ball. I don't know why you got to change your strategy <laughs> postseason. I mean, you want to hit the ball, put it in play, get on base. But that's just me, you know. Yeah, a casual, you could say. I'm Lindy, Lindy, you were saying, is it more important in the playoffs to have OPS or what? I was, I was saying like, so there was this uh, quote. Um, let's see if I can find it. It was, was it from DeRosa Makai? I I can't remember who it was from, but it was basically stating that. Um, OPS is the state that like everyone cares about OPS and OPS plus, and that's what makes you a good player and not a good player if it's low, you know. Um, but during postseason time, it doesn't matter what your OPS is. All it matters, and I think it was something from the Astros, if I'm not mistaken, maybe not. Um, but it only matters if you're getting on base and batting average and getting a runner over and the base hits and all this little parts of the game that actually end up mattering whenever it's a seven five two-game series or whatever it may be, um, that that stuff matters a little bit more than the big hits and being able to hit the ball out. and Slug. You know, yeah, slug. Literally slug. So, um, And I think, I think that it does. And I think we're actually seeing it right here. I think we all four can agree that Arizona has looked like the better team in both games that we've seen so far. And that's what they do is they get people on, get people over, get people in. Yeah. 
And the Rangers aren't necessarily not that, but they're less that than the, than the Diamondbacks. And you're seeing them become the better team in this World Series. As much as I, I mean, I'm pulling for the Rangers. Like I'm, I'm legitimately pulling for the Rangers in this World Series. But I think we can honestly say that the Diamondbacks are the better team right now. You know? Yeah, 100. percent I so think fun. that whole argument and that whole statement from Grayson, I think that applies more so to a team that like is going to have a lot of success throughout a six month season. You know what I mean? Like the team that's going to slug more. Uh, just over time, I feel like because that just means a lot of their guys are super streaky. So whenever their guys are hot, they're going to win six, seven games in a row. But whenever they're not hitting well and they're not going to be hitting singles and moving guys over and playing small ball and all that, they're going to go on long skids too. But I remember, I think in the first series in the ALDS, the, broad, the broadcasters were talking about how the Rangers are like the streakiest team in the MLB. Like if they either are winning eight in a row or they're losing six in a row. Like there's just like yeah. no there's like no in between with them. But I guarantee you with Arizona, they're not going to be that streaky because they just play more consistent fundamental baseball on a day in day out basis, and that's going to prevent that streakiness. So. To answer your question, Grayson, I'd probably have to agree with the definitely getting on base and just hitting for a higher average in the playoffs because you got to put pressure on the other team. Um, you yeah. got to every inning. You got to put pressure on the other team, and it, it can't be like a feast or famine kind of offense. I go ahead. I go ahead, Tyler. I dude, I completely was thinking OBP, not OPS. So. I'm going to – I agree with that one. I'm just putting that out there so I'm not like a, an idiot. But I, I thought you meant OBP at first, which makes a lot more sense now. Well, OBP would can technically be more important. Yeah, that's why I was like, why would, you, why would you want to change your game plan? Like, you want to eat people on base, but OPS. I just was thinking of OBP. Yeah. So just Yeah. I mean, OBP, dude, if, you're, if you can get a 500 OBP over a 300 batting average, I think, you know. Oh, absolutely. I think you are correct, Tyler. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie. When I first, like, watched that video, it's Sean Casey, by the way. That's who it is. Um, I thought it was just an old head take of, like, an old head guy who just loves the fact that this team is coming in, like, being that old school scrappy, and he's just jumping on the opportunity to say, this is how you play baseball the right way. Yeah. But, like, there's been so much of, like, the Braves have, like, had the one of the best offenses ever, and then it's not successful in the playoffs. And then the Rays, it's consistent. I mean, it's, what, last year against the Guardians, they scored one run in the wild card round, and they scored, what, one or two runs this year in the wild card round? I mean, it's like they've got their strategy that's working really well in the regular season, but it's not doing anything in the postseason. Yeah, and then the Phillies. Throw the Phillies in there with them, too, because they were really good for two series. They were really good against the Marlins, really good against the Braves. I mean, they looked untouchable, right? Then they play the Diamondbacks, and a couple players get cold. You sprinkle in a couple cold players in there. Don't let that whole lineup be hot. They're done for. Like, legitimately, if their one, two, three is not hitting, it doesn't matter if Bohm's hitting a home run or getting some base hits or Stott's getting some base hits or – 
whoever, Brandon Marsh, whatever, they're not good without those certain players that are hot yeah. and hitting for, you know, and it's, it's, I think we're starting to see that a little bit more in baseball and it almost bringing back the old, I think it's a lot of it has to do with the rule changes in baseball where it is possible to make these changes with the stolen bases and the average and playing small ball and all those different stuff. It's kind of bringing that back into the game. Yeah. So more Makai style baseball is coming back. It is. It is. Thank you. We are back <laughs> with a small ball, and that's how we win games. Now, another thing that I do want to say, and I'm, I'm a big small, small ball guy, oh, yeah. but I do think it's doing something different than the rest of the league, right? Um, the Houston Astros won it whenever they struck out a lot, hit a lot of home runs, but no one else was playing that style of baseball. Now the Diamondbacks are looking good. The Rangers are looking good because they're playing more small ball than everyone else. I think that you. I think that the winning teams tend to go more against the grain than the other teams in the postseason. Um, that might be kind of a cold take, but no, that's fair. I, I do think I do think that just doing something different makes you a better team than fifteen teams in the league and makes you a top fifteen team. If that makes sense. Yeah, but also when you got a guy like the Cookie Monster on your team, um, they just bye hit bye their baseball. fifth home run <laughs> of the postseason just now. Again, right after first pitch after a pitcher pitching meeting. First pitch wow. after a mound visit. All right, kid, do not what did he hang. Say, cookie? No, do not <laughs> hang. Do not hang this change up. And what did he do? He threw a cookie to the cookie monster. He threw a cookie to the cookie monster. Oh my god, man! Hey, Corey Seager's one of those guys in the postseason, man. He's just I'm, he's a guy built for the moment. Facts. I'm just glad he's on my fantasy, man. Oh boy, of course. Of course he is. I got him in a trade this year for uh Luis Arias, straight up. Really? Yeah, the guy needed some some more just average guys, and I was like, I mean, I'll take Corey if you like. <laughs> That's a steal. Thank but, you, thank you. Well, Let's let's go easy on my boy Luis. Oh, He's the batting champion two years in a row. Come on. Now. I know. Luis is – I really thought he was going to hit 400 for a minute too. Yeah. I think I actually did. Second. What did he end up with? Uh, just like 355. Yeah. Is that all? <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Nothing crazy. I want to check that actually right now. Let's see. I think it was above 350 though. I know Freeman and Ronald were low-key starting to catch up to him a little bit. Yeah, but let's see. So let me run this question by you while you're looking for that, Alan. Um, I was watching. They had this nice little pregame BP, right? And our pools is sitting there talking to some people. Mookie Betts is standing there, and this might have a little bit to play with. They were standing next to each other. All right. But our pools says in this live coverage on the MLB app, it's everywhere. Everyone's watching it, right? Mookie Betts is going to run, make a run against Ronald Acuna for NL MVP. I want to hear your guys' thoughts on that because uh, uh, I'm the only non-Braves fan here, but I, 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 I love Albert Pujols. I am his biggest fan. I think he's one of the best all time. He is probably the best all time first base. That's crazy. I mean, that's not that crazy, honestly. Looking no. at it from a. I mean, obviously, I'm a Braves fan, but, like, dude, Mookie's a generational talent. He could easily hit 
45 bombs with 120 ribbies any given year and hit over 330 with gold glove defense at different positions. So Yeah, the different positions get me a little bit. It makes makes me kind of question that I think that this is a crazy take. Well, also, Acuna, a crazy though, take? You don't think it helps Mookie's case? No, I do think it helps Mookie's case. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, I think, I think Ron- that the fact that anyone's considering someone other than Ronald Acuna is a little bit crazy just because of the season that he had. I think Mookie Betts is a generational talent and is going to go down as one of the best to ever do it. Ronald Acuna just might have had one of the best seasons in baseball of all history, time. Though. Yeah, a hundred percent. But then by that logic, it's almost like okay, whoever wins the MVP every year, like you can't say anyone's gonna top them the next year. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's just no guarantee that Ronald's gonna hit three forty again. And no, I think I think he might still eighty bags next year. Honestly. Um, it's they're just making it easier and easier to still at this point. Yeah, and but you still got to you still got to get a good jump. You still got to you know steal the bag. Like I know everyone's saying because the bases are so much bases are so much bigger and they can only pick off three times and all that. Like yes, it does help a little bit, but like you still got to be fast. You still got to be a good base runner, and that's actually that, yeah. something that Ronald kind of lacked in a little bit. Is that the amount of times that he gets caught stealing. If you get, if you look at the amount of times that he gets caught stealing compared to somebody like Corbin Carroll, right? The like efficiency of them stealing bases is very different. Like, yes, Ronald stole 70, but at the same time, I think he got thrown out like 11 times this year. Whereas Corbin Carroll stole I don't know the exact number, but I remember seeing yesterday he got thrown out about half as many times as Ronald. Yeah. So it's like you also got to take those kind of things into effect a little bit. Um, but back to your original question, I mean, Mookie was on Ronald's tail the whole season until like the last month and a half, two months, whenever Atlanta went into Los Angeles and then Ronald just hit like 19 home runs in three games and everybody was like, <laughs> yep, okay, that just that just solidified the MVP case. But yep. yeah, but I like if I had to put a percentage on it for next season, just in my opinion, like I would give Mookie a 20% chance, 25% chance to win the MVP next year. Like there's there's definitely a chance, a legitimate shot. Um, but I think I, Mookie Freeman, Acuna, maybe Harper. Um, I think I think those are like the guys. Him in there, don't you? you got. Well, I mean, he won <laughs> two years ago, dude. Come on, <laughs> he just won another one. Come on, he just had to. But like, there's there's not many guys that you're gonna start with, maybe like under plus a thousand odds to win an MVP. Mookie's in there. Yeah. Exactly, which is why I don't think it's like that crazy of a take. Like, no, and it's not. I just think for this year, it's it's like wow, we're considering. Oh yeah, wait. Oh, they were saying for this year. Yeah, he was talking about he was right there. He might. He. I don't know if he said he might be, but he was like, there. There's talks about Mookie Betts being the NL MVP this year. 
over a kid. <laughs> yeah, and I'm okay, like, that, that's uh, ridiculous. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. That, okay. and I love, I love. Our I was school sitting so here. Much. I was sitting here listening to Alan the whole time, so shocked by what you were saying. I was like, you are not who I remember you being. There's no way that you're letting someone get away with not letting Ronnie be the MVP this year. No, but I was – I mean, because I thought that was just an obvious agreement, like, for this. <laughs> that, that's why I was so yeah, focused was on next – yeah, that's why, <laughs> that's why I was so focused on next season because, I mean, that we don't even have to mention that for this year. That's why, <laughs> that's why I didn't even mention that for this year because, duh. But for next season, he's got a shot for sure. He's got a shot. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think he's going to win it, but he's – gonna be in the top five for sure yeah it's i think it's harper's turn next year is the the script that i read or something like that i heard austin riley next year personally oh big braves fan over here okay yeah. back-to-back braves just different guys mm-hmm. okay and then murphy's yeah. winning the next year it'll be and then olsen's winning the next <laughs> oh. year <laughs> i think olsen i think olsen's a little bit quicker than murphy to win one of them no murphy's but, just gonna have a hell of a year yeah I think he, I I said it whenever y'all got him. I I thought it was an undervalued trade. Whenever they got Sean Murphy, I thought that that was something that changed their team completely. And some people were talking about it, but I don't think it was talked about enough of how bit how massive of a get that was for the Braves. Completely agree. Still, yeah. Whenever I they saw still, that, I was beyond. I was confused, but I was so happy. <laughs> Yeah, it's because like, I, I was to, like, we got dude, the second best catcher in baseball under J two Romuto. No, I'm talking about the Braves right now, and everything's about the Phillies, bro. Oh, okay. <laughs> because Sean Murphy went to the Braves. So whenever that happened, I was like, I mean, Darno just went crazy in the playoffs, and he's gonna be our catcher. And then we traded William Contreras, and I was like, I I just thought. I was so solidified in William Contreras being the future catcher, like whenever Darno was going to leave. And then just for no reason, Anthopolis is like, you know what? I'm just going to triple upgrade our <laughs> catching situation and have Darno be the backup now and have like that. That just like wasn't even necessary to do. And he just still went out and did it. Yeah. I, I just want to throw this out there from a Phillies fan to the world. Oh, my God. Alex Anthopoulos might be the best general manager with a low budget to ever exist. Yeah. Yeah. He's unbelievable. The stuff that he pulls off and the team that he has locked up for years to come is insane. And he's done it for way less money than the Yankees did it for, than the Mets did it for than the Phillies did it for, than pretty much any super team, than the Padres. Padres aren't really relevant this year, like at all. And they still spent millions of dollars on their team. You know? I just feel like GMs don't have the balls to pull the trigger on young talent on their team. Yeah. I think that's what, it, that's what it comes down to. I do, yeah. They, they all, like, have all these doubts and create all these – situations of oh, okay this guy can't do this this guy can't do that but at the same time like how many games of michael harris how many games of ozzy albies do you need to see in the minor leagues and then even in the major leagues for you to be like yeah this guy's a legit big leaguer we got to make sure we have him for a long time like i don't understand 
how GMs haven't been doing this for decades. Yeah, I think I. You also see the thing about like you know, Wander Franco, and he's now a bust for now, right? Yeah, the but that was a great. That was locked up. That was a great and, deal, though. That was well yeah, deserved. Well, that was yes, absolutely. But I'm also talking like he wasn't really that good this year before that all went down. You know, like he was having a decent year, but was he worth the money that they had locked him up for this year? I don't know. You know. So there, there's little things like that. I just think Anthopolis has such a good team around him with the scouts and player development guys that they have there. Yeah, and also him where they just, like, they know when it's needed, you know, just, because uh, teams have tried that and they just – a lot of teams fell at it. Good point. To, to hop in, just one real quick on the Wander Franco. He hit 280 this year, was an all-star, stole 30 bases. With 17 yeah, home runs. Okay, maybe he was old. worth the money. That's a dog, bro. <laughs> yeah, maybe he was worth the money. <laughs> My fault. Yeah. With was, defense where he's money. throwing the ball up to himself in the middle of the game. Yeah. Just yeah. unreally cocky. Right, he, that's right. He's worth the money. Um, yeah. So, kind of to switch topics real quick. Um, I did see the stat today while I was just kind of going through some different stuff um, to kind of just to switch back to the Diamondbacks Rangers series. And then we can switch back to something else. Um, the Diamondbacks are seven and one in games with a stolen base. They're three and three in games without a stolen base. They have yet to steal a base in this game. Bro, you got to manage the D-backs for real. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I legitimately think that they're such a small ball team, and this could hurt them a little bit. They're such a small ball team that if they're not playing great small ball, they're not winning games. If they're not playing their game, they won't win the game. Yeah. I also saw a stat, too. I think in the first setting of this game, they popped up on the screen. Um, when Texas has scored first in this postseason, they're 8-0. And when the Diamondbacks mm. have scored first – they're seven and zero. So, and the Rangers <laughs> scored first tonight. So I think we can just go ahead and turn the game yep. off. Yeah, game's <laughs> over. Rangers yeah. won. Two one. Game Rangers. is over. From knowing baseball, walk off grand slam in the ninth. Yeah, you know, from the D backs. They they love to walk off in Arizona. Coming from a Phillies fan, I can tell you that. Facts. <laughs> I actually. I went to a Diamondbacks game two months ago, actually, because I was out there doing rehab mm. for my shoulder. And the one game that I went to, guess who they played that day? The Rangers? The Rangers. Nice. Wow. Could not believe it. I like. I didn't realize that till the day before the World Series. I was like, wait, who did the – Diamondbacks played that day, and I was like, oh, my God, it was the Rangers. Your boy saw the World Series matchup for, like, 17 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Who won that game? Dude, Gallon went crazy. Oh, start? Mm. Gallon went crazy, bro. He Zach made... Gallon in the regular season might be a, is a completely different Zach Gallon than in the postseason because he likes wow. to give up two-plus in the first inning. Every game in the postseason. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, like. I don't. I don't get that. I don't get that. He's so good, though. He, he does settle down every time, though. 
Yeah, yeah he does. He gets out of it and throws like six, seven innings after that. Yeah, but he was just like the game that I saw against Texas. He made his 93-94 mile-hour fastball. The swings he was getting on that from Simeon, Lowe, even Seager. I thought he was throwing 99. I was (laughs) like, bro, not even foul balls, just straight blowing doors. And I'm looking up, and it's 94. Like, it's firm. But the way that they were swinging it, I was like, I was like, that. He doesn't even, like, sit in his back leg, really, either. I I hate it. I hate it. I don't know how his shoulder hasn't completely torn off his body. Yeah. Like, like actually. I think (sighs) – the fact that he throws 94 like that is extremely impressive. He got up to seven the other night. No, he did not. It, yeah, he did in the first inning. Yeah, a little little postseason. Yeah, he got to a seven. Adrenaline. Yeah. With absolutely no legs whatsoever. All he does is block really, really well. That's all he does. He just he just blocks and sends everything up the chain super explosively. But yeah, he doesn't sit in his back leg at all. Like he just doesn't use his back leg. But that's how he so, commands Alan, so well, too. Yeah. Real quick, for anyone who doesn't listen to this show in the future or this episode or whatever, explain what you mean by that because we might not all be professional baseball pitchers who have been taught by, you know. So basically, all I'm trying to say is the importance of your back leg when you're pitching is to push into the ground when after you lift your leg because – after you lift your leg, you're trying to create as much force and energy to go into the ground. So then once you rotate and you land, you can send all that energy up through your body through and into the ball. So that's why it's important to sink into your back leg because that means your glutes turned on, your quads turned on, your entire back leg is being activated, which means that when you're you're pushing into the ground, you're getting force, putting as much force as possible just into the ground. And then once you rotate and land, that's when it gets sent up the chain of your body and then out into the ball. So that's why if you look at a guy like Spencer Strider, um, Aroldis Chapman, pretty much anybody that throws hard, they're going to sit in their back leg, sit into their glute, um, and hinge correctly because that's how you maximize your strength that you have in your legs. Um, and that's just for the back leg, but that's Mm. in a nutshell, the reason why you should bend your back leg when you're pitching and even Fott's doing it right now. Like he could do it a little more, but it works for him. Um, but even him, like he pushes, well into the ground, sits into his glute, and then he just rotates into a foot strike. So, yeah, just in a nutshell. Sweet. Okay. Well, I just you said you said some like blocked up words and stuff like that that I was like, oh, hey, people don't, don't know what that means, you know? Yep. But yeah, good, great explanation. Love it. Um, to anyone who doesn't know, Alan, why don't you tell everyone kind of where you're at in the baseball world right now? So spring of 2022, I was teammates 
with Grayson Linderman at Lee University. And the season before, I was also teammates with Tyler Fairchild. Go and, Flames. Yep, go Flames, baby. <laughs> back-to-back Gulf South Conference champions, in case you forgot. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, but then after that, I signed a free agent deal in January of 2023 with the Los Angeles Angels organization and pitched in a ball and double a with them this year and so now i'm in my off season um getting ready for next season and team china yeah let's, oh let's yeah that's right. that. hey the face of that's Sean. right that's right yeah i also <laughs> did have the opportunity to go represent team china in the world baseball classic this year in tokyo so that's a whole nother conversation for another day but that oh, yeah. yes that was uh the, the best baseball experience i'll ever have in my life hands down yeah and i just want to throw this out there i i know that i'm sure that tyler and grayson would both agree i do think that you are one of the hardest working people that i've ever seen before to be able to go from lee flames and I, i've watched you pitch a little bit you didn't have the best start to your lee flame career and to go from Lee Flames to professional baseball, you, and I, I got to witness you working your butt off the entire time. It is insane what you've accomplished. And I I just want to throw this out there personally, but congratulations, man. Yeah. It's been, uh, it's been awesome watching it. Oh, 100%. This dude, I remember the first year I met you, you were throwing like, what, 84, 86? And That's an exaggeration. No, no, he was. No. And then like two no. months later, he comes in throwing 99 and is thicker than a, a tree. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was the biggest glow up I've ever seen. It, it was it was eighty six eighty nine. It was eighty six eighty nine. Yeah, I saw a bunch of eighty sixes on. But still, a ten mile per hour. Nonetheless, that's that's crazy. But thank you, fellas. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I'm still waiting. I mean, go hey, sign jersey, but it's coming. It's coming. But <laughs> I honestly just want to use it as an example, like for even when baseball is done or that anybody that follows, you know, my journey and anything knows my journey that like, if you actually want to achieve something like you have the power to do it, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it all just boils down to how much do you actually want to accomplish what you want, you know, because for me, like as you guys know, all three of you guys know, like, it's my obsession. Like, it's what I eat, sleep, and breathe. It's the only thing I can think about when I'm in class. Like, I just, how can I throw harder? How can I get better all the time? How, what mobility restrictions do I have? Like, what's my strength restrictions? Um, and just slowly chipping away at it and keeping that passion in mind. And then you stack the days and you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised of what happens after a period of time. It's just small. It's just doing a little bit every day, honestly. Just doing a little bit every day over and over and over again. That's all it is. Yeah, and it's accepting the mental um, correct F that you get every single day, day in and day out, of not getting better and not being able to see it. And then eventually it just hits. And it's like, oh, yeah. hey, we're here. At 100%. And eventually, because you're working that hard at whatever it is, business, sport, school, whatever it is, 
that like it just becomes second nature like that discipline just becomes second nature and it just like becomes a part of who you are you know like I remember during COVID um, I remember like I was working out so much there were some days I didn't remember driving to the gym like I'm sure you guys could probably relate to that because you just get in such a routine of like okay this is what it is like this is the process that's it's going to take to get there um, whether I feel like doing it or not I'm going to just go and so I seriously remember like a couple times pulling up to the gym and like I start doing my mobility routine I'm like dude how did I even get here like I don't even I don't even remember getting in my car and driving over here like yeah yeah. So, um, so now Scherzer's, Scherzer's out of the game. Um, Josiah Gray came in. It looked like Scherzer actually kind of got hurt a little bit on that pink or the, the pointer finger. Um, it's the fourth inning. Um, and then I'll say this also, the Rangers have been a little shaky in the bullpen and they've tried to shy away from that the entire series. What are our thoughts on having a bullpen game by the fourth inning of this game against Brandon Fodd, who hasn't looked great in the first little bit, but also is, you know, a, he's a good pitcher. First off, uh, I think you meant John Gray, but I know what you meant. What did I say? You said Josiah, the guy from the Nationals. Oh, I sure did. I sure did. But I don't think it's that big of a deal because John Gray is a starter. So he yeah. he's going to eat up at least three right here. And then they're going to actually turn it over to their bullpen. If they didn't have a long relief guy right here coming in and they had like spores coming in right now in the fourth, that would be a problem. But I think with Gray coming in here, like, which by the way, ever since they moved him to the pen, he's been lights out. Like he's mm-hmm. sitting, he's sitting seven, eight now. <laughs> like as a starter, he's. I think he's like three to five from what I saw, like three to five. That's what I remember. Would pull out a six, seven every now and then whenever he needs it. But dude, now he's just coming out pumping and he's been shoving all playoffs. So I think, I think they're going to be fine with him. I feel really good right now for Texas for having John Gray in there. I think he's going to throw at least two more innings and then they're going to hand it off to Spores, Chapman, LeClerc. I feel like they're probably prepared at least somewhat for Scherzer to great point. Go deep since Fan, he's been struggling. Great point. Great point. Yeah. So, may not yeah. bother him that much. Yeah. I do I do agree with that. Now that now that you say that is Yeah, that's a great they, point. They had to have. Right. Yeah, yeah they were not expecting injury. six. They were not expecting six off out of Max tonight. If they yeah. if, if Max gave them four, they were gonna be ecstatic. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were hoping for six. I think that you know, he's had a couple starts off the injury now and I think they were like, Okay, let's let's try to get six. Let's hope for that. That's gonna be our max. You know, if he's if he's in there by through six, we're pulling him anyway, you know. I, I do think that they probably prepared for him to be out by the third. Yeah. Yeah, he probably well, just faked the injury so he could get out of there real quick. Probably. He's like What okay. did he even what did he even injure? I don't know. I didn't see it. Uh, it looked like his pinky finger. He had a blister on his pinky finger, I think. Pinky or, finger? His, right his, pinky. Uh, his pointer finger, not pinky finger. Oh, uh, yeah. That's uh, that'll do it. Yeah. 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 Um, I think they showed it on, on the TV a little bit here. But, um, all right. So, let's let's hop into a little bit of around the baseball world. 
instead of just this World Series game. Um, I know it's a super important game. We've spent we're going to spend a lot of time on it, of course. Um, little managerial shakeups, right? Uh, Dusty Baker has announced his retirement from the Astros. Um, just a few stats from him. He is the seventh all-time manager as far as wins go. He's got 2,183 wins. Um, ended his career with a 540 win percentage. So above 500, even though he coached all of those um, not-so-great Reds teams in his career. Um, I think that's super impressive. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Um, I think I'm just happy he got one ring, man. Like, this man was a baseball lifer, was a big leaguer. Then he gets into coaching, and he retires at 70-whatever years old that he is. And I think it's pretty depressing that he's lost every game seven and I think he's been to the World Series like four times five times mm-hmm. um, 74 he's 74 years old 74 years old I mean dude he literally has been in the baseball world since he was 18 like that is I can't even yeah. think about how much baseball that man has done in his life like he just I feel like he couldn't function without baseball that's probably how i'm gonna be at the end of the day but still like i just don't yeah it's not like uh alan you get used to it yeah (laughs) yeah exactly but i'm just happy he got one ring yeah yeah me too i I think he deserved it and he his his uh retirement press conference was pretty cool um just kind of talking about the things he's gonna do he's like i think my just bought a new hunting dog i think is what he said um a new coon dog or whatever. He's like, I don't think he even knows me. I bought him a year ago. I don't, I need to get reacquainted with him because yeah, I haven't been around him in a while. Um, just kind of cutting up, making some jokes. He's, he's just a guy like he's one of the best managers in the game. He knew how to get a team together. And I think, I think he deserves every bit of respect that anyone could possibly give him for what he did for the game of baseball. Completely agree. There's a reason why he was around for so long. Yeah. 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 So we move off of that. Grayson, let me ask you this, because I know you're a new school guy, right? The Giants fired Gabe Kepler. They hired Bob Melvin. Former A's manager. Also spent the last two seasons with the Padres. Um, Had one good year, one bad year with the Padres. Don't think you can count that on him necessarily. Um, Because he had the same players both years. I think that the players had a lot to do with that. Um, I do know that the A's have been much worse since he's left. What are your thoughts on them going a little bit more old school manager, a little less new school manager? Um, I mean, I feel like that fits the the Giants organization a little bit. I mean, they're not the – they have a little more money to spend. They don't have to be as – cute as like the Rays and A's have to be you know what I mean so they have a little bit of freedom to kind of plus they're probably noticing this trend of you know the game's going back a little bit you know with the stolen mm-hmm. bases and all that and so I don't probably two or three years ago I wouldn't liked it but you know I'm, the game's changing you got to adapt with it and if it's going back old school get you an old school manager yeah 
Yeah. And I think we're seeing that. I mean, most of the, I mean, Bruce Boshi's coaching the, the Rangers now, you know, it took him, this is first year with the Rangers and he's in the world series. I mean, two years ago, the Rangers lost over a hundred games, right? Tori Lovello um, has done it kind of himself. And I think he's, he's a little bit more towards the new school, but he's got a lot of old school approaches on what he does. Um, and then you look around the, the postseason in baseball. And I think there was a lot of old school managers in baseball um, in the postseason, you know, um, I do think it's trending more towards the guys who can get that locker room together more than the guys that could put a statistically good team on the field, you know, yeah. um, my, I, Gabe Kepler, um, I want to know what your guys' thoughts are on if, not if he should get another job because he's, he's a good manager. He is a, he is a good manager. Um, he got his team to win 107 games in a year. Um, but the statistical aspect of Gabe Kepler, he won 107 games in 2021. Every other season that he's managed, he's been at 500, exactly at 500 or below. Um, Here, here's my two cents on this entire situation. If you look at the Giants roster, what are they doing? Like in terms of where are they in their development? Are they in a win-now mode? Are they in a rebuild? Or are they kind of in the middle? Like what do you guys think? Because I have my I think Hiram Bob Melvin says they're in a win-now mode or they're going to be. I don't Yeah, know. that could definitely point. That's a good point. I think that might point to that direction. But because if you look at their team – I'm looking at their roster right now. They have pieces, but like they're, I just feel like it's hard for a guy like Gabe Kapler to lead this team realistically to like a deep playoff run because they just straight up don't have enough talent. They have talent, but they don't have enough talent. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like Patrick Bailey, rookie catcher. He's going to be very good. He's only 24 years old. Like he's got to develop a little bit. Alex Cobb, Logan Webb, two horses at the top of the rotation. But then you got Brandon Crawford, who's now retired. So, like, that's a, that's a big, big Shout loss. Shout out to that's, Brandon Crawford for what he did I know. in the game, too, by the way. Wow. Yeah, he's not quite a Hall of Famer. Probably Hall of Very Good, but definitely uh, definitely Giants Hall of Famer. But, again, yeah, like, you look at the sure. rest of their roster, like, the other starters that they have is, like, Kyle Harrison, who is their top – lefty prospect that's going to be very good he shoved when he came up in september Mm -hmm. um like they've got young guys they got some young talent on the team but it's like you look at their position guys lamont wade jr solid player but he's not like an all-star guy mike yastrzemski solid player but like i just don't think he's crazy like that you know what i mean like he's a solid big leaguer but they're just not like Matt Olson, Acuna, um, you know what I'm trying to say here? Like, <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. you look in their bullpen, and obviously they got a dog in Doval back there waiting in the wings. I mean, he's their closer for the next five, six years at least. Like, they've got pieces. They've got pieces, but it's hard for any manager, I think, to be put in that situation because I think they're right in a – in this middle ground of like, yeah, they're trying to win, but half their team is like 
young prospects that just came up in the last two years and the other half of the team are like just solid big league players that aren't at that superstar level that need to carry the rookies. So I think they'll be good in like two or three years. But I mean, maybe this, when you said they hired Bob Melvin to get them toward a more like, you know, win now mode. I mean, they might go for Otani. Yeah. I think, I think half the league's in on him at this point. You know, especially you the teams the that don't have a lot of cap space. Will offer him? Uh, There's no uh, way. Any anybody no. with enough money is going to. Yeah, but, but that's not half that, the league. No, it's that's not. what I'm yeah, saying. That's, I, that's I not half that, the league. I think that a lot of teams are going to have the realization that it's really between the Dodgers, Yankees, and and more like the West Coast, East Coast teams instead of the mid mid American teams. You know, um, that that's probably where he's going to want to be. Yeah, I completely agree. I think honestly, now that we're <laughs> now that we're talking about the Giants, I just realized who did they offer an absurd amount of money last offseason that didn't sign with them? That would be the uh, man, the myth, the legend, Aaron Judge. Oh, was it Judge? Exactly. Well, I guess they offered both of them, didn't they? They did exactly. offer Correa, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. yeah, they went after some big names last year. So, and they didn't sign anybody. So that means they still all got that money in the bank for somebody this offseason. So I, I yeah. think they're in the running for Ozani. Yeah, that, yeah, I never really thought of that. Let me ask you this: What do you think the Bob Melvin hire is signaling from the Giants more than anything? Do you think it's that they're going to be a win now team, or do you think that they're hiring someone who's been around the game for so long? that they can start to build these younger players up and develop them a little bit more in the big leagues. I think he's probably going to act as like a perfect mix of both because when he was in Oakland and they were terrible, he's got some experience with going through some growing pains with young players. But then at the same time, he's also managed teams that are, playoff caliber high playoff caliber teams so i kind Mm -hmm. of feel like he's got that mix where he knows how to handle a team that's kind of in the giants area right now where they're kind of in the middle they need a couple more young guys to step up they need to sign a couple good free agents they need a couple of their starters right now to keep getting better like lamont wade and jd davis and Mitch Hanniger, those kind of guys to kind of, you know, continue to step up. And then in two or three years, when their young guys have really hit their stride, then he'll he'll be ready to manage that winning team. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I I I think you're spot on with that. I think that I don't think that they necessarily hired him because they were a winning team. But I love that take that, you know, they hired him because he's been through it with the A's before. Um, he was kind of he kind of went through it with the Padres a little bit, to be completely honest with you. I mean, they weren't a powerhouse until necessarily he got there. Um, but think about it, they brought him in to manage that powerhouse team, so like they yeah. were expecting him to know how to handle all the egos in the locker room and all the talent that they had on that team to and all those expectations. And, I mean, also, what does that say about Bob Melvin when you're literally 
handed a super team and you don't make yeah. the playoffs. Like, is is that more on him or is that more on the team not figuring it out, you know? And, it, you know, the the way that I think about it, and I we kind of – the Phillies went through this with Joe Girardi. I think we can all agree that he's a really good manager. He just wasn't the right fit for that team, you know? And maybe it wasn't on Bob Melvin with the Padres. Maybe it wasn't on the players with the Padres. Maybe it just wasn't a good mix, you know? Maybe he wasn't the right one to manage Juan Soto and Manny Machado and the guys that they had there and the big names that they had there together, you know? Yeah, for sure. I see that. So, but yeah, so what are we, uh, what are we thinking about this game right now? We'll kind of jump back into the game a little bit because it is World Series time and we'll have plenty of time to talk about free agency and where Otani's going and all this different stuff. Um, what are we thinking about the game right now? Kind of John Gray's looking really good. I told uh, you. PFP right there. I told yeah. you. Little PFP. He's quick uh, little story. Quick little story on uh Alec Thomas. So this year when I was in spring training, we're playing against the Diamondbacks. And um, you know, we're on the backfields just doing our game, normal game, whatever. And then all of a sudden this guy steps in the box and I'm like, this guy looks mad familiar. Like, I know his stance, and I'm like – but he didn't have his name on his back because, he, you know, it's just like spring training jerseys. And a couple pitches later, he hits an absolute nuke to left center, right? And he's circling the ba- bases, and I'm like, is that Alec Thomas? <laughs> I was like, what is he doing on a minor league backfield? Like, what is this man doing, right? Apparently, he was rehabbing, and – whenever a big leaguer goes to the minor league backfields to get ABs, they literally just get in front of whoever's about to hit and just take their at bat. Like they just cut everybody (laughs) and they take their AB. And then once they're done with their AB, they don't even run the bases. They just walk off and they go 20 feet to the next field and just hop in and get AB mid game, (laughs) mid game. They just cut everybody. Wow. And I, I know, and he hopped in, hits a nuke, and just walks off. <laughs> that is insane. I did not know that that happened. Yeah, I was surprised too. I was surprised too. But he just hits a nuke and walks off. And I was like, I was like, who does this guy think he is? But then I was like, oh wait, it's Alec Thomas. That's why he did it. <laughs> Tyler, what are you watching? You watching the baseball game or not? Yeah, got it on. Guess really going on too. I'm proud of you. Thank you, John. Yeah, so we uh, go ahead, Tyler. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, we've been hogging the whole conversation, and we haven't let the the comedian of the group oh, really my. say anything. So what what are your thoughts on this game going on? What are your thoughts on the conversation? Um, Let's hear a little bit from the Tyler Fairchild. Um, what? Gosh, you put so much pressure on me, Micaiah. <laughs> I, I had a, a, a stupid joke I was going to say, but I never did it. I'll hold off on it. But I'm, I enjoy watching John Gray pitch. I haven't watched him pitch much, but I like him. He does a lot of strikes, which is good. Good for the game of baseball. Good for pace of play. Good for pace of play. Yeah. Go. So let, let's get your thoughts on that, Tyler. The new rule changes. Let's hear a little bit about your thoughts on the rule changes, whether it's the bigger bags or the, the pitch clock or pickoff well, attempts. Or... Being, being a pitcher, I personally love the pitch clock change. 
Uh, I think it's great for the game. As someone who, because I feel like a lot of people that played baseball their whole life, they can get like kind of burnt out from it. And so when you kind of incentivize to, you know, get the games more constant action, maybe a little quicker, I know it's going to be a very cold uh, take, but I, for people like me, I think it's great. Not going to lie. Helps you, helps you stay engaged a little oh, bit. Exactly, you know. And, I, I mean, as a pitcher, I don't know why you wouldn't want that in the first place. I get everyone has their own thing, but, I mean, it kind of forces you to get into a rhythm in a way, which is good good when you're pitching. So I don't know why people are opposed against it. But I don't know. I don't know. That's just me, though. Yeah, There's a I reason mean, why ticket sales and views are up like 15, 20% this season. Oh, yeah. 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 And I, I think, go ahead. I was going to say, I've watched more baseball this year than I have in the last four years, which is maybe. Really? Well, I mean, it's like from one game to four, but <laughs> it's still more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the. I, I think the. I think the pitch clock has not only helped viewership, but I, I really, I really do think it's helped the game. And coming from someone who um, hated the fact of them implementing that, um, I, I really think that I, my first side of the pitch clock was the brave spring training game. Whenever oh, yeah, yeah. the batter struck out on a pitch violation in the last at bat of the game and it ruined the game. And I'm sitting here watching that and I'm like, well, this is ridiculous. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> I mean, you I th- know, I think they'll tweak it to like fine tune it for, I mean, I don't know, but they should have some kind of like uh free, I don't know if freebies, but that's is the right word, but just like some X, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? X exclusions. Maybe. I don't know. Just like a warning. Well, I mean, just like like in a playoff game, is it? Do they do it in the playoffs? Not a dumb question. It's yeah, like, but we haven't had any violations during the playoffs. Yeah, from yeah what but, I remember. I feel like there's going to be a point. You know, say it's say like tonight, it's a tie game, bottom of the ninth. The bases are loaded, and the pitcher throws three balls in a row, and he kind of just wants like a second to get himself. Sure, you can call a timeout or whatnot, but I don't know. I just feel like there should be some leeway for the rules and in big big moments. But I don't know. Yeah, maybe a, a longer clock after the seventh or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I would like something like that. Me too. I think everybody would agree with that. And honestly, the playoffs up. Regular season, get it over with. But in playoffs, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we don't, we don't want it. And I think Major League Baseball thought of this too. I'm sure they have. But we don't want it impacting the big moments. We just want it impacting those dull moments where. Nothing's happening. Right. The Tuesday day game that needs to get going. Yeah. yeah. You know, the Tigers versus the Royals or something like that, that. All right. Let's wrap this one up, you know? Yeah. And even as like, dude, even as a player, like this season, it's everyone is in love with the pitch clock, dude. It gets us in and out two hours and 20 minutes a few times a week, two hours, 10 minutes sometimes, a whole night in the game, you know? And it's like, it's just so nice. It's so nice. Yeah. So talk about that. Let's expound on that a little bit because I want to hear your thoughts on it. Um, the job of baseball, you know, um, since you're you're in double A right now um, or you're rehabbing, but you are you were on the double A roster, right? Going to double yeah. A. What, yeah. What's it like with the job of baseball? Because everyone talks about baseball. Oh, it's it's this fun game or whatever. 
you got to work to be able to get there, but you also have to work while you're there. And while it's, I'm sure the best job that anyone could have, it's still a job. You know, you still got to go and clock in day in day out and do it. Um, when you say that the pitch clock has been good because it gets you in, gets you out, not necessarily that, Oh, we're ready to get out of here. But like, what's your thoughts on that going in every day? How does it like, what's the feeling of, all right, we're just here another day kind of thing. You know, how do you get over that? What's, what's kind of your perspective on that? Yeah, that's a good point. Good question. I think the answer to that kind of depends on the guy, but like for me, I just kind of stem back to like, cause whenever I do get a thought in my head of like, Oh my gosh, like, I don't feel like going to the field today or like uh, this or that. I just always remind myself, why am I doing this? What is the end goal? And then as soon as I tell myself the obvious end goal of getting to the big leagues, I'm like, no problem. Uh, let's, let's go to the field now or early. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. let's have this f- 13 straight game. Like it's nothing really – bothers me at least anymore whenever I keep that like perspective but with that being said it was definitely the first time in my life that baseball felt like a job for sure um Mm -hmm. because I mean let me tell you six games a week for pretty much six months straight it's gonna get to you I promise for just yeah anything you know like having only Mondays off for six months straight and sometimes having two weeks straight of having games and you're on the road and home too. Like it definitely does get a little like monotonous and a little boring. Um, But that's where you have your routines and you just try to shove and stay healthy. That's it. Just shove and stay healthy. Yeah. Yeah, that that's always been somewhat of a question in my head because, like, you know, it's a child's game. Like, you're sitting there where every 10-year-old wants to be in 10 years, you know? But also, you're sitting there having to deal with the rigorous physical activity. Yeah, they don't being see – in a day in, day out. Exactly. They don't – you know, obviously the 10-year-old is only thinking about striking out whoever in the playoff games and all that good stuff, but they're not seeing pulling up to the ballpark at 1230 every single day for a 630 game, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like you don't get home till 1030 probably. Yeah. We get home at 1015, 1030 every night and you're obviously dead from being at the field for 10 hours. So (laughs) You're, you get home and everyone's hanging out for about 30 minutes and then everyone goes to bed. And then, thankfully, since we don't have class or anything, you pretty much get to sleep in every day a little bit. And so once you get up the next morning at 10, 9.30, 10, 10.30, you got to leave in like an hour and a half. So it's just like, I guess you're living at the field, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, you're living at the field. And then, you know, you might ask, oh, my gosh, why are you getting to the field at 1230 for a 630 game? 
but you got to think as soon as we get there, we got to eat lunch and then we got to do our arm care. And then before we go throw, we got to do all of our mobility and correctives to get ready to throw. And then once we throw, okay, yeah, we have like a 20 minute break. Then we got to go shag BP every single day. Got to go shag. And then once we shag, we go back in the locker room, other team takes BP. And that's kind of the hour and a half time period that you can eat, shower, just mentally get ready for the game. And then once six o'clock comes, you're dressed out the locker room. Um, 6.30 is the game. Out by 9, 9.30 at the latest. And do it all over again every day. So you got to love it. Bottom line, you got to love it. But um, for sure, I mean, it's obviously hard work. But, you know, the old saying, if you love it, it's not really going to feel like work. But sometimes mm-hmm. it does. But sometimes <laughs> it does. Yeah, and I, th- I think everything feels like work to an extent, you know. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, in, in the business world, because that's kind of where I'm at at this point. You know, I've, I've found some stuff that I, that I love. And I'm okay with waking up every day to go into this uh, this career path that I've chosen. I, um, I found something that I can enjoy getting up. But it's, I mean, it's still, everything is tough to, there's a mental barrier that you have to get through, whether it's professional baseball or sales or whatever it may be. You got to get through that to be able to be successful. There's a difference between just working and being in a good position and trying to be successful. And I think that mental hurdle is that is that place that even a, pro- a professional baseball and a business person just alike have to hurdle this exact same thing, you know? Um, that's, and I that's think that's, that's kind of where you're at at this point. Um, yeah. you found that you found that brick wall and you've been able to jump over it so that you can enjoy the game and enjoy what you're doing. But it's also, I mean, it's, it's still work. Like you're having to work day in and day out and it's not an easy thing. Baseball is fun, but it's not easy to be a part of this professional game, you know? Correct. And Um, whether you're a baseball player or doing, you know, business or whatever it may be, like at the end of the day, you honestly just have to like choose your hard. I'm sure you might've heard that phrase before, but like, nothing's going to be easy, you know? So whatever path you take is going to be hard regardless. So it's really just a matter of choosing which hard you want to take. Yeah. And the hard could be being broke and not care, like having to care about not making enough money. hundred percent. It's hard being yeah. broke, obviously, because you can't do anything. It's hard. But then when you're rich and you're working hard, it's hard doing that too, because you got to maintain your work. Yes, absolutely. It, you got to pick the hard. You really do. You have to pick which hard you want in your life. Do you want yes. do you want the hard work or do you want the easy life and hard mental aspect of life because you 100%. chose the easy route in life? Um, and I think that's that's where you've you've chosen the hard work since I've known you. Um, I think I met you what junior or my my sophomore year, your sophomore year, I believe, um, of college or maybe your junior year of college. You might yeah. been a year ahead twenty. Of me. Let me think. Twenty nineteen. I was twenty nineteen. Yeah. Do what? Alan was probably 40, year, 40 years old in 2019. Yeah, I think Andy was 40, actually. Alan was Andy was 40. 20. I was 32. I was 32. Uh, 32, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's just – it's cool to see um, 
this this group of guys, like I think we've all chosen to try to be successful and try to deal with the the mental rigorousness of whatever we're doing in life. Um, and it's cool to see that you know we're we are where we are at this point. Um, as what are we? We're all twenty four and below. Or are you twenty five? You might be twenty five, Alan. Yeah, twenty five and below. We're all twenty five. Yeah, we're all twenty five <laughs> and below. And and we're sitting where we are right now and so much more to come, you know. Um and this right here, this whole podcast thing, I think is cool because you have so many different aspects in this podcast. Like it's all completely different lives, but all surrounded and brought together by the game of baseball, which is really cool. Um, and I think personally, I think baseball is the best sport. It taught me so much in my life. Um, I was, I was a scrub in college. I think we can all say that at this point. Um, I was decent at best in high school comparatively to the rest of you guys, but baseball taught me so much in my life. And I can't imagine what it's taught you guys in your guys' lives being successful college athletes, um, and a successful professional athlete now. And, um, the game teaches so much more than just how to catch a ball and how to throw a ball and how to hit a ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a thousand layers deeper. Yeah. You learn things on the field. You can't learn it in the classroom. That's what I always say. Amen. And, well, you don't learn a whole lot in the classroom. Let's be honest. Of, but, you don't learn a lot of useless or useful things in the classroom. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Man, I'll tell you what, if it wasn't for the connections that I made in college, I feel like I'd have wasted four years of my life. Oh, absolutely. 100%. But don't not go to college, people. No. <laughs> Depends on what you're talking about. College is Maybe. a scam. College is a scam. There we go. That's what I was waiting for. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Yeah, it's, it's a scam. It's it's a scam. Unless you're going to play baseball somewhere or I mean, I, you're going to be a lawyer, doctor. I'm using my degree, so I mean, it was useful for me, but... Yeah, fair I enough. was taught nothing. And it's not against my professors. It's against the whole college oh, yeah. thing, you know, but I was, and I'm in sales. I was taught nothing of what I'm doing right now. Yeah. You know, That's I was sad. taught no, no mental game, no physical game, anything in the business world. Mm-hmm. I was taught little things comparatively to what I'm having to learn now. Um, and it's, yeah. So this is a baseball podcast. It's not meant to dog college. So I'll get off this little topic that I'm that I've created for myself but um the game right now um Tori Lovello I just want to kind of point this out real quick and and how much that I really respect Tori Lovello as a manager um he went and pulled thought brought someone else in and they showed a little clip in the middle of the game of him sitting there for minutes talking to Brandon thought um I think that's kind of a lost art in the game at this point, especially in the big league level um, where managers will managers will pull a pitcher and they'll expect to have a conversation with them later. I think Tori Lovello is doing something incredible by the second that he pulls a pitcher and it's done with whatever he's working on as a manager, you know, in that role, he's there talking to his players and letting them know his mental process on why he's doing what he's doing so that the players can become player managers almost in the game, you know? Um, and I think that's somewhat of the reason why the Diamondbacks are as good as they are. They have leaders like him, like Evan Longoria, player leaders, and things like that where they've been trained at this point and where they have so much trust in their manager that 
they're playing for him almost at this point. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I haven't heard a single negative thing in the news, Twitter, anything negative about that man. Um, everyone talks about him in a high regard, and I think there's a reason why he took a team with a negative run differential, a negative run differential this season to the World Series. That's <laughs> Massive. Negative 15 run differential on this season. That's crazy. And they're in the that World is Series. insane. I will say it does help that the GM like completely gutted their bullpen because apparently their bullpen in the beginning of the season, first half of the season, was atrocious. And then they go get Paul Seawald. And then they go get Ryan Thompson. Um, and they get other pieces in their bullpen at the trade deadline. Not, not did Ginkle start the? Did Ginkle start the season with them? Dude, I can't Ginkle, remember. Ginkle has been a D back since like 2018. Has he really? I didn't know either. I saw him pitch the game that I went um, against the Rangers that I was talking about earlier. And when he came in, I looked him up because, bro, I know if, I know everybody. I, mean, I was like Kevin Ginkle. I was like, who the is this guy, you know, I was like, who is this guy? And he looks a little older too. And I looked him up, bro. He's been in the league for like five years. Wow. He's been on the D-backs bullpen for like the last five seasons. And then the other day I was looking at his IG. Cause I was like, all right, when was his first post? Like with, in, you know, in a D-backs uniform. And it was like 2018. And then Jeez. I even saw like, um, when he was playing in A-ball with the D-backs, which is with the the team is the Visalia. It's in California, Visalia, California. But the team is the Visalia Rawhide, and they play in was the California the, League. Was that the A's minor league affiliate at one point? At some point, that probably was. They always okay. change for whatever reason. But we played, when I was on the Inland Empire 66ers to begin the year this year, we played against Visalia at Visalia. So, like, seeing him in that jersey, I was like, bro, that's wild. And then this man wow. is just shoving against the Phillies. <laughs> he did. Yeah, Dude, he's unhittable. Absolutely yeah. unhittable. His fly, I, I got to get his slider grip. It's on, dude, it's a definition of banger. Yeah. Talk about hammer. Oh, my. Marcus Simeon just had a ball go right through his glove. Actually? Oh, man. I believe so. I don't know who's, if it tipped or if it went through, but who's it looked up? like it went through. Uh, that was Cattell Marte. I don't know if okay, I ruled that an error. I just saw Carroll punch on 98. Oh, yeah. Well, get ready. Marte just hit the piss missile to Simeon. No, it. he just didn't catch it right. Dude, John like Gray this. is a dog at the pen. He is. He is cr- – it's a sixth inning. I told you all. He's yeah. going to go three. Well, he might go four. If he – I mean, do you, do you trust John Gray or do you trust the back end of that bullpen other than LeClerc? I, mean, I think the only sus – Let him go. Yeah, He's true, got another true. one. True. But I think the only sus part of that bullpen is uh, Chapman. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think. How did Marcus? That was just a 
piss missile, honestly. Yeah. Can't really yeah. blame him. That was it was probably knuckling a little bit or something, but that that was just a piss rod. <laughs> yeah, that was that was just a um, let me look at this because I want to. I do want to get onto this. Um, Cattell Marte might be the most undervalued second baseman in the league, or undervalued uh, player. Let me just say that. Under, yeah, underappreciated. Underappreciated. Yeah. Yeah. He's it's only because the D backs have not been good. That's. I think that's the only reason. You think why. so? Yeah, because everyone that okay. plays MLB the show knows that Cattell Marte <laughs> is an absolute dog. Yeah. <laughs> but for like the casual fan, they're like Cattell who. Yeah, that that is true. I I I knew Cattell Marte was a good player in center field. Um, I don't think I saw this kind of player in him though. To be completely oh, honest I, with you, I I think I was really? one of the people who kind of underappreciated his talent. You know, he was yeah, fourth in MVP because voting. I've always fourth. Fourth in twenty nineteen. This year, twenty nineteen. Oh, fourth in MVP voting. Wow. I believe it, dude. I always, I was I, like, yeah. There were times where I, I felt bad for him because I was like, "Hell, you got to either leave or just sign a ten year deal there and just <laughs> ride it out until y'all are good." And that's what he did. Yeah, nineteen games now. He's got a hit in this game. Nineteen game hitting streak, and to that's... start a postseason career. That is incredible. <laughs> that I mean, is you don't get many nineteen gamers. You don't get many nineteen gamers in the regular season. Season, that's dude, absolutely ridiculous. I think he signed a big contract with him too. Like he's going to be around for a long time. But um, what was I going to say about him? I feel like Cattell Marte is one of those players that like you can kind of de- you kind of gauge someone's knowledge on baseball if you ask them is Cattell Marte a good baseball player or like do you know how good Cattell Marte like if they're like no I don't know who that is or they're like ah he's mid like they don't know ball like that yeah that is true I you know I I say that being one of the people who would have said something like that probably um and it kind of pains me to say that I, I probably didn't know him well enough you know um, he assigned to 2028. No, but like you knew he was a solid player. Though. You knew he was. A solid I didn't know player. he was a good player. Yes, I just didn't know that he was. I mean, he's top twenty in the National League, mm. probably year in year out. Like, I'd have to really dive into that in my mind to say if I'm being honest about that. That might be, that might be a little bit of an overreaction, but he's good. Like he's a lot better than I thought he was going to be. I'll just put it that way. Yeah, but you knew, but you knew that he was one of the best players on the D-backs. Like you knew that though. Oh, I knew he was their guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's my point. That's my point right there. Yeah, yeah. I, I did know that that they saw him as their cool. their their uh, yeah their um, franchise piece. Is the word the Correct. what I'm looking for? Correct. Um, he was the guy that they wanted to build around for sure. I just didn't know that he was going to be quite as good as he is right now, especially in the post. I mean, the postseason is a different animal, so people act differently in the postseason um, because it's so quick, you know. But um, yeah, he's he's a dog. He's a dog, and they got him through 2028. Speaking speaking of that, speaking of guys playing different in the playoffs. 
I love Christian Walker because he's been a D-back since day okay one and he just has not been having a good series good playoff series at all but now you look at Ketel Marte obviously he's going crazy is that what it is? it's that up and in fastball that he's just not quite catching up to right now but he's swinging at a lot um, and he yeah. noticed it himself. He even had a little press conference himself where he was talking about, um, I either need to lay off or figure that pitch out, you know? Um, but outside of that pitch, I mean, he's really good. The pitchers that he's facing are also really good. And they, they're starting to see that spot where he's kind of got a little bit of a hole, but can't lay off of the, even the ball up and in, um, that's closer to the strike zone than it is head. Um, but he, uh, he noticed that himself and was talking about it. And he's, I mean, he did not have a good series against the Phillies. He struck out way too many times, didn't get near enough hits. I don't even, he might've gotten one or two hits in the Phillies series. Um, I don't want to discredit him by saying he went hitless, but um, he's, he's looking better. I'll say that. And it looks like he's making adjustments and that's what big league baseball is all about. It's getting figured out and then figuring that out, you know? Yeah. Um, 100%. But, but he, yeah. I, I agree with you, man. He, it's, it's tough to see a guy who – how many did he hit? 38 bombs this year? 33. Like I think 33. 30, 33, okay. Yeah, 33. Yeah, but he, bro, he's, he's automatic. Bombs. He's automatic 30 to 100 every year. Automatic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, they're doing all the of best. this. They're doing yeah, all of this without him hitting. So, imagine when he's going. Very true. Yeah. And also, on the defensive side of things – as a guy who grew up first base, third base, corner infield, you know, it's unbelievable what he does at first base. And you got a little bit of a glimpse of that in game two where he made that barehanded catch. But he is one of the best defensive first basemen in the league. And that's something that a lot of, a lot of people don't really see is the defensive side of things. Um, but he's not not producing for the Diamondbacks. He's not necessarily producing at the plate, but he's saving runs in the field right now still. And he's not yeah. letting his woes at the plate affect his fielding. And I think that that says a lot about his mental game and who he is. Exactly. He's a true professional. He's leading off next inning, so we'll see. Yeah. I think he, correct me if I'm wrong, Makai, he won the gold glove last year. I believe so. I think he's got more than one, if I'm not mistaken. But I'll have to pull that up. Yeah, I'm like 90% sure that he won the gold glove last year at first base. He did win it last year. Um, let me see if he's got more than one. I think he does. That's but... impressive, man. I mean, that means you're beating Freddie and yeah. Votto and a lot of other guys. Yeah. A lot of the guys who are known as defensive guys. Correct. Goldschmidt. One time, just last year. But he did win it last year. He's got a gold glove. Still. Yeah. He's got a gold glove. Yeah. And to be completely honest with you, like, there's a lot of guys in the National League who don't have gold gloves that I feel like should. Whenever I'm sitting there, like, really looking at each player. Let me guess. Bryce Harper? (laughs) Uh, No, I was actually – 
I, Bryson I Stott. Bryson Stott, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, dude. That dude's a dog, and I think he should win it this year at second. Um, but I, I, Michael Harris didn't win one last year, did he? I think he did. Did he? He might have. I, there was someone for the Braves, and I can't remember who it was necessarily, but I was whenever they were playing the Phillies, they were showing gold gloves um, pregame in each of the games. I couldn't stop thinking about, like, why does this dude not have a gold glove? Um, and I can't remember who According that was. To, you for stand first. No, someone, someone that plays for the Braves, but I can't remember who it was. Um, Harris didn't win it last year. So he doesn't have a gold glove. Makai, he is young. who are you referring to? I, I can't remember. I think it was Harris, but I'm not sure. I mean, it could have been. But I think I think the Braves only had like one or two gold glove winners on their infield, too. Dansby did. Dansby, but he was gone. And then Olsen has a gold glove, doesn't he? Yeah, not with Atlanta. Not with Atlanta, but he does have one, I think. Yeah, yeah. he does. And Olsen's just... got one. Ozzy's got one. Murphy does, doesn't he? Murphy has one. Maybe it Michael's was got I, one. I think it was probably Harris then. Yeah. yeah be. But he's also young, so now that I'm looking at that, thinking about it, he'll he'll win one. I mean, he's such a good defensive outfielder, but it's just kind of shocking that he doesn't already. You know, I, I, I already see him as one of the best defensive outfielders in the game. Facts. Who did you have in mind, Bill, when you were saying – you watched guys that, you know, you can't believe that they haven't won a gold glove yet. Well, it was someone It was someone on the Braves. I think it was Harris. Oh, you were referring to Harris? I was, yeah. I think that's who I was referring to. Um, it wasn't okay, a Philly. Gotcha. I promise you that. There are guys that, I mean, every Philly. Alec Bohm deserves a gold glove for how he played this year. I mean, come on. So it, but it's more comeback player instead of gold glove for him because of how he shifted his career around. Um, but Philly's out of it. I, there was someone for the Braves, and I think it was Harris that I was watching, and I was like, why does this dude not have a gold glove yet? You know? Dude, Michael Harris won a gold glove in double-A, and now he might win one in the big leagues. Like, that's tough. Yeah. Let's that also, speaking of gold tough. gloves. Did they pull Gray? Looks like it. He did his job, bro. He did. He's Looking good though, I know, but they probably want to bring him back like for games. Seven, they probably who's in right now? Is it Spores? Yeah, dude, he is like, is it Spores or Sorbs? No, it's Spores. Spores, okay, yeah, Spores. It's a tough one, I know it is because you feel like there's a lot of silent letters in that name. I know it looks like it would be one of those, but dude, I. Three innings, no runs, three punchies, no walks for Let's John give Gray. give it up for John Gray. He got out of Colorado, and he turned into the Grom. He did. Well, it probably helps having DeGrom as a teammate, but. The Rangers are in the World Series with no DeGrom. Is that scary or what? That's crazy. That is. Is that scary or what? That is. Super scary. That's kind of not fair. Think about if he was there. Dude, it would be Evaldi, yeah, DeGrom, and Mon- Montgomery's the three. Scherzer's the four? Are we putting Scherzer's Scherzer's the four? The four? <laughs> what are we talking about? Don't need a bullpen game. We got Scherzer starting game four. Yeah. But yeah, Spores, I've become a big fan of too. Yeah. 
he comes in and pumps, just pumps. And it's like just 89 on our sliders, which is just unfair. But he's like their ginkle. Yeah. In my opinion, he's the guy that comes in and he's either seventh inning guy or he's like a fireman. Like I've seen, dude, I've seen Bruce Bochy put this man spores into the worst situations humanly imaginable in a baseball game. Like I remember in Houston, he came in like first and second, no outs or second and third one out got out of it with no runs. And I was like, this guy's a dog. Yeah. Tyler, are are you okay? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I heard some some flashbacks of Rainbow Six. I didn't know if you were. No, that that wasn't me clicking, was it? Oh, maybe not. Get down. Let's go. Are are we on the fam hit right now? Yeah. Are we past the fam hit? I hate how we're all in different places. We are. Um, thoughts on Tommy Pham? He I mean, he hasn't. I mean, he's he's kind of their best player right now offensively. Um, and I can't say that I've ever been a huge fan of him, but I I might kind of be becoming a big fan of him. He's he's a dog. Yeah, simply put, he's still kind of a dweeb, but like. He can hit. That's, that's kind of my feeling at this point because I've never like always been like he's okay, different. He's, Let's just say he's different. He's different. Yeah, that's fine. I I do. I do like the fact that he asked for someone to pinch hit for him, um, to give him an at bat. That's that shows me that he's a great teammate. That was cool. I, did I like don't. That. I don't necessarily like the fact that it that he's made it because I feel like he he's the one who started this whole publicity thing of it becoming a thing. Does that make sense? Oh, I see. I see. Like, I feel like it was more of a PR stunt for him to get, and I could be wrong. And I don't want to like throw shade at Tommy Pham for being a good guy, you know, but if he let this out for publicity and let a guy pinch it for him, that feels like he just kind of redid everything that he tried to do in the first place. I don't think so because he didn't say it like off the bat initially. They had everyone was making those like posts about him going four for four and he could have gone five for five. But then he wanted to like make sure that everyone knew the truth, you know? So I don't think he's, I don't think he's ill willed at all. But yeah. Have you guys seen the video? Have you guys seen the video of him when he was in the Rays and an interviewer goes, is there anybody you want to thank for like, who's helped you along your journey of being a big leaguer? Who's helped you gotten here? Have y'all seen that interview? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Dude, it is awesome. He goes, honestly, I want to thank myself because yes. growing, growing up, like I didn't have anyone really there for me. My dad didn't take me to the field. I threw BP to myself. Like I worked really hard to get here. So honestly, myself. Yes. All right. I'm a fan. Yeah. I'm a Tommy fan guy. You got you got to watch that video. Guy. It's awesome. Wow. Good for him. I respect that. It's a, it sounded like a really corny answer at first, but I I, I know. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> quit, quit trying to be Conor McGregor, you know. But 
Yeah, dude. Good for And him. then when he slapped Jock in the face. That's, yeah, I can't deal with that. That's hype though. Like, dude, that Stop he doesn't it. he doesn't mess around. Stop it. If Fantasy you football, Lindy. Man. Yeah, but Lindy, if you say something to Tommy Fam on Twitter or something, bro, he's coming for you the next day. Like and there's it's on <laughs> site. It's on site with Tommy. I guess uh, they the had that guy? thing uh, in San Diego too, didn't he? With the the fan that was chirping him. Oh yeah, no, that got into like racism stuff. Oh, he did. I think so. Okay, that's different. if I'm not. Yeah, like yeah, I, I think I, he did. I think you're right. Yeah, which that's we will stay away from that. But um, yeah, he did have that whole spat with a fan for sure. Um, which yeah, we'll just we'll just stay away from that. Let's get on to another topic. Me and Grayson actually talked about this in the last podcast, but I want to get Tyler and Alan's opinion on this. Um, they have one umpire in this game, Quinn Walcott, um, who is the first-ranked umpire. Outside of that, we have the 33-ranked umpire, the 53rd, and then we're in the 60s and 70s of ranks of umpires working the World Series. What are your guys' thoughts on that? There's uh, 92 total, by the way. What logic does that make? Yeah. Not a whole lot. Yeah. What logic does that make? make? It makes logic if you want a certain team to win. And I'm not saying, you know. Um, but, like, the fact that – and me and Grayson were literally talking about it while we were watching the game at a ball that's, like – two balls off the plate was called a strike um, nice. on the low and away corner nice. um, in the middle of us talking about this whole thing. And I'm sitting here like if, if players play their season for the world series and you don't get to the world series, unless you're the best of the best in the regular season, why are umpires not treated in the exact same way where you don't get to call playoff and world series. If you're not the best of the best in the regular season. How did you even find those umpire rankings? I've never even like didn't know it was a thing. It was it was on Instagram somewhere, I don't know. It just popped up on the feed somewhere. Yeah, it was just on interesting. The the yeah, did you, uh, I wanted to ask uh, did you deal with any like automated strike zones in the minors? Um, no. They only had the automated strike zone triple A. Triple A. Okay. Any challenges? Yeah. Um trying to think a ball we didn't no no challenges in no the only thing we did have one thing though we had like these extra scuffed and um extra rosined up baseballs in double a did you like it because they were trying to find a little middle ground for guys that obviously, you know, want to use spider tech and what's legal. So they were like for the first half of the double A season, they tried it the entire time. And I honestly liked it. It took like a week to get used to it. Cause when you first grab it, bro, it, it was a noticeable difference in how sticky it was, but everyone's RPMs up a little bit. Velo's up like half a click. Like nobody was really complaining. And I remember a lot of guys on my team were talking about the starters from the Chattanooga lookouts 
because apparently all their starters were just righties that are 95 plus, like 96 plus. Like they all just throw absolute cheese, just vert balls, straight Spencer Strider riding four seams. And when they got those baseballs, they were throwing like 3,200 RPM. Like vert was like 29 on their, like just ridiculous stuff. Um, but then after the first half, they uh, switched back to the major league balls. And I remember we had a guy from MLB, like a group of guys from MLB. We had a meeting in the meeting room, like the hitters room. And the guy just sat there with us for 30 minutes asking us questions and getting feedback from all the pitchers of what we thought about the balls, what could be better, why they were bad. So they were they were trying some stuff for sure. That's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, they're trying to find that middle ground. Yeah, yeah, and I, I do think that's a good thing because, from a hitter's perspective, like you want the pitcher to have some sort of control. Facts. Even if it even if it makes you a little bit lopsides the the how everything is, you know. But not by if that it gives much. the pitcher an advantage, and it does. Yeah, I'm sure not- a little scuff doesn't really give the pitcher a huge advantage. I think guys yeah. like Pedro and Greg Maddox probably it gives a massive advantage to give him a scuff, but um, just your it's more so what? rosin, not not so much the scuff part. Don't think so much of like a super scuffed baseball. It was more so like like an extra layer and a half of rosin going around the oh, whole okay. ball that made it stickier. You feel me? Okay, so it's not like a dirt scuff or a no, 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 nothing crazy. Like that. Okay, no, 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 no. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well, yeah, then. Yeah, I mean, I, I think as a hitter, you want the pitcher to be able to control the strikes on a little bit more than they are right now. Because you're, you're, I mean, you're seeing a lot of guys having to back off the plate a little bit because balls are coming in 95 and above close to their face. And that's you don't want that. Man. That's I not part of the up. game. Back the hell up. That's my house. Yeah, well, <laughs> facts. facts. I mean, if you're, if, you're, if you're trying to back a player up, that's a little bit different than a ball coming at the head. Just like that 96 to Marcus Simeon right there. I mean, that's. That was a little bit of a control loss from Frios right there, you know? Oh, um, that's caught play. Relax, Matthias. I mean, it caught play, but that thing was – it was high. It was high. But, but yeah, I, th- I think that's a good thing. And I, I do think it's really cool to have someone to talk to that's in the midst of that whole process of them trying to figure this out who kind of sees the day in, day out of what they're trying to do um, on the back end, not even just the front end, you know? Facts. So. This is the first D-backs pitcher I've seen all night that actually sinks into his back leg. <laughs> oh, He's my throwing gosh. cheese, too. I know. There's a reason for it. Yeah. Yeah, he really gets it. Bro, 91 cutters and sliders. Like, I, I don't understand. We have a Shane Carino sliding. Hashtag go Phils. Dude, did you see the – they panned to, like, Chris Young, who's the GM for the Rangers, and he's got Ian Kinsler, Michael Young sitting in front oh, of him. I didn't like, see who was with him. Yeah, it was the probably – the, the 2013 Rangers? Like 2010? Or 2011. I'm sorry. Yeah, 20, yeah 2011. 2011 Rangers, the World Series Rangers I'm team. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the whole team is in that – Box crazy. section up there. I mean, th- those are Ranger legends, so I'm not they surprised are. that they're there. Yeah, 
I mean, this is this is something that they almost accomplished, and they, I mean, they they're not old enough to not be there at this point, you know. Like they got to see this through. This is this is part of their life. Did y'all see that ninety-two mile per hour cutter he just threw? I mean, Rios is really ninety-seven past him too. Like anything that's ninety-two should not should not be moving that much. That I don't know how that dropped that much at ninety-two miles an hour. That's not like. (laughs) Ah, that's just not like possible. But anyways, the other. I mean, you can't take that. That was no, I mean, the, the yeah, there. the guy's still at 97. Yeah. 98. Oh, no, Adolis just got hurt. Dude, you're way ahead of me. Yeah. You're too, you're good. Did too he get no. ahead of me. Did he get hit? No. Oh, is it on swing? Oh, boy. Oh, oblique. Muscle. Oblique. Oh, boy. Left oblique. Dang. He's going to have to grind it out. I don't care. If I'm him, I don't <laughs> care. I'm grinding it out, bro. You got like three more days, bro. Just grind it out. Who's their other outfielders? Like, who do they have that could possibly no, replace matter. him? He's playing. He's playing. Like, Travis Jankowski. Oh, boy. Yeah, let's not. I think a 1% Adolis Garcia is better than a 100% Travis Jankowski, to be completely <laughs> honest. And then a, this other guy named Josh Smith, who hasn't played much, but I, he's he pinched Rand, didn't he? Yeah, I think he's been trying. What about Robbie Grossman? Yeah, Robbie can play some outfield. He can. Okay, I thought he. I thought he could play a little bit of outfield, but I mean that's your pinch guy, I think. But man, that would. You got I hope. Adoles. I hope. I know. I hope he's okay because that would suck. Well, boys, I believe we should probably go ahead and wrap this one up. Um, we're yeah. sitting here at about an hour forty-five, um, which is kind of crazy. Time flies. When you're just Thanks. talking baseball. Um, but I appreciate you guys for hopping on with me. Hopefully we can keep this thing going. Um, if anyone is out there listening, we hope that you learn maybe a little bit from Alan. I know you didn't learn anything from me, Grayson and Tyler about the game of baseball, but um, we appreciate you listening, subscribe, follow. Uh, we would really appreciate it. Um, and with that, we will talk to y'all in the next episode.